Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. We've had a great start to the year in our discipleship series, and I cannot believe we are 18 episodes in on this with very little end in sight. In fact, discipleship is the heartbeat of Lose Yourself. It's the heartbeat of this program. Matthew 10, 39 states, whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So we started the year talking about what it means to be a disciple. And every week we've been going through and asking questions. What is spiritual formation? What is Christian education? What's evangelism? What's apologetics? And also, what does it look like to be a disciple? Last week, we talked about some of the traits of a disciple so that those who are attempting to guide people on their spiritual journey can know what does that look like not only in their life, but in the life of those they're investing in. That was a great time of conversation. We talked about the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians, the abiding in Christ in John 15. We talked about how disciples need to love and become like Christ, know the Word of God, embrace biblical community through their local church, reach the lost, and become leaders who then make disciples themselves. Just a couple of quotes to tie up last week. Howard Hendricks says, you can impress from a distance, but you can only impact up close. That means that when we disciple someone, we have to let them in. Sometimes it's easier to be up in the front of a classroom or in a pulpit, but discipleship is messy. It means that we're in each other's lives, and so we have to be comfortable in making that transition. He also adds, you never graduate from the school of discipleship, so in some cases we are forming lifetime bonds and lifetime relationships in our spiritual growth. And then finally, C.S. Lewis says, until you have given up yourself to him, you will never have a real self. He really understands this concept of God is our ultimate reality, our ultimate purpose. Discipleship is seeking ultimate reality, which means seeking God and doing so in a personal way that is incredibly powerful and meaningful. In recent weeks, I've also issued a challenge for our people to get more involved in making disciples in their local congregations. For example, I just said that I don't think that there's any church strategy that's going to be better than the congregation being active in disciple-making. The first week of this program, I asked a simple question. Who discipled you? Many people have a hard time answering that question because we came up in programmatic ministry, we came up listening to our pastor, but the clear biblical mandate in Matthew 28 called the Great Commission, says that we're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is not a spiritual gift that's unique to some believers. This is something that each of us are to do. The reason I mention this is that in our own efforts to be a disciple, to share our faith, to grow in our faith, those are going to be futile without the work of the Holy Spirit. Today's conversation is about the work of the Holy Spirit in discipleship. The Holy Spirit is essential in that process. I've been waiting a few weeks to have this conversation because I wanted to make sure I laid a foundation, but also I know in some instances, the Holy Spirit can be relatively controversial 
from denomination to denomination, and I want to make sure that we provide an accurate and biblical account of the working of the Spirit so that you can embrace that and not be afraid and also make sure that we stay true to biblical teaching. I need to begin by saying that work apart from the Spirit is futile. Discipleship is not a bunch of man-made rules or regulations that we need to do to please God. It's an integral part as God's creation, and it's just us growing in our relationship with Him. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, that is the Godhead. You see the Holy Spirit for the first time in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, in creation. So from the very beginning, we see the activity of the Holy Spirit and the integral part that the Holy Spirit plays. We also see one of the interesting aspects about examining our relationship with God is the care that we see in Genesis in the creation. Everything to this point in creation has been spoken to existence, ex nihilo means from nothing, and then we see God form us from the clay by hand and then breathe his spirit into us. Thus begins this unique relationship that we have with God. You continue to see the work of the Spirit throughout the Old Testament. Sometimes it's from the context of the Spirit leaving someone, such as Samson or Saul, who fell into sin and disobedience, and you saw that without the work of the Spirit, they were powerless and ended with tragic results. You also see the Spirit in the book of Isaiah as he begins the process of prophesying and foretelling the coming incarnation of Christ. And obviously, in the Gospels, you see the incarnation, that the Holy Spirit is part of the conception of the Virgin Mary, thus does not pass the sinful nature to Christ, who's able to live a sinless life, die for our sins, rise from the dead, and is the hope we have in the Gospel. You see the inner working of the Spirit all throughout the Old Testament, leading to the New Testament. You see the Holy Spirit, Christ's baptism. Christ also promises the coming of the Holy Spirit in his farewell discourse after the Lord's Supper. In particular, you see the work of the Spirit in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, you see Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria to the ends of the earth. In the very next chapter, in chapter 2, you see the day of Pentecost, where you see this amazing movement that begins with this meeting. Really, you see the transformation of disciples such as Peter, who was pretty hapless as a disciple in the Gospels, but then rises in his power and his leadership and his authority to a completely different person and someone who is able to then speak with authority, exercise excellent leadership, and write very important epistles, though he was a fisherman. The book of Acts goes by several different names. It has the Acts of the Apostles, but many refer to it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. The most references to the Holy Spirit's work happen in the book of Acts. You see the genesis of the church. You see the growth of the apostles, and you see the spread of the church. The work of the Holy Spirit continues to this day. In fact, when we come to faith, when we receive Christ as our Savior, when we put our faith in Christ, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We no longer have to go to a temple or another special place to experience God's presence. God's presence is in the hearts and the lives of all of his believers. And so when we come to faith, 
we have the counselor. We have his presence that dwells in us. There tend to be seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that include wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, piety, and the fear of the Lord. These are indispensable qualities that help us in our faith and in our daily life. We all need wisdom. We all need the ability to discern how to live our faith in a complicated world. We all need understanding when we're opening up the Bible and trying to ascertain and to interpret the Bible in our life. There's times that we need to make difficult decisions, and the Spirit counsels us in those situations. There's times we just need strength, and the Spirit is there with fortitude and support for us. Knowledge. Have you ever had time where you just felt wise beyond your abilities? There's times that the Spirit reveals things to us to help us. Piety and fear of the Lord we all need to have humility, and we need to understand our role in this relationship. God is God, and we are not, and we serve Him, and the Spirit helps us navigate that, and it works in our life and works in our maturity. The reason I bring this up, friend, is because so many people look at discipleship as the merit badge system that's going to get us to heaven. We look at discipleship as legalism, where we just struggle with a bunch of arbitrary rules. In fact, In the paradigm of legalism, liberty, and license, there's times where legalism is just empty rules where we are trying to earn our own salvation, and license is just carefree and not interested in any kind of spiritual growth. The Holy Spirit gives us that liberty to follow God with confidence and abandon so that we can not only grow closer to God, but grow in our Christ-likeness. And friend, we cannot do that ourselves. There's times that in our prayer life, in our worship time, that we have to let the Spirit guide us and help us in that process. Because apart from God, we can do nothing. And apart from the Spirit, we are powerless. It's kind of like a Tesla without any electricity or your gas tank without any gas in it. It looks great, but it's a big fancy paperweight. And spiritually speaking, without the working of the Holy Spirit and without our connection to God, we are powerless. I've got a great quote from John Stott that says, Without the Holy Spirit, Christian discipleship would be inconceivable, even impossible, There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, and no effective witness without his power. As a body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. So friend, there is no evangelism without the spirit. There is no church without the spirit. We rely on the Holy Spirit in our daily lives, in our spiritual lives. I wanted to say this as a means of comfort and encouragement to you because I see so many people trying to survive on their own power. When you study these passages, sometimes I feel silly, and those like me feel silly, that we're trying to serve God effectively through talent and ability and effort, and those things are wonderful and with the empowerment of Christ and with through the leading of the Holy Spirit, they can be used powerfully and yield amazing results. But on our own power, friend, we can do nothing. So friend, today I want to speak to you personally and say, are you tired in your faith? 
Do you feel spiritually empty? Do you feel hopeless? Do you feel that God can't use you or you're just stuck? Do you find that when you go to church, it's a joyless experience or that you find yourself disinterested in the things of faith? Friends, sometimes that's because we're doing things on our own. We're relying on our own abilities and our own pride and our own agendas in our faith. When we can release control and when we can rely on the Spirit and we can focus on God, He will guide us and transform us through His power and not our own. Today, I want you to think about that. I want you to, as you go to your quiet time or your prayer time, as you go to worship services, as you go to your Bible reading, I pray that it'll come alive for you because instead of it becoming a chore or something that is required of you, I encourage you to approach that with openness that the Spirit of God will guide you and lead you and empower you in your life. And friend, if you will do that, you'll be able to be a follower of Christ that has a rich and wonderful relationship with him that is not only meaningful for you, but it will also in turn allow you to disciple others. We'll end today with a quote from A.W. Tozer. Let no one imagine that he will lose anything of human dignity by his voluntary sellout of his all to his God. He does not, by this, degrade himself as a man. Rather, he finds his right place of high honor as one made in the image of his creator. His deep disgrace lay in his moral derangement, his unnatural usurpation of the place of God. His honor will be proved by restoring again that stolen throne. In exalting God over all, he finds his own highest honor upheld. You can find some of this week's content in Robert Coleman's Master Plan of Discipleship, which I highly suggest you check out. We're out of time again, and we'll continue this conversation next week. I want to thank you for being here, and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.